Plus, lower interest rates at Folsom Lake Honda make for lower payments. It's no wonder Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. Get an instant cash offer for your trade at FolsomLakeHonda.com. We'll buy your car whether you buy from us or not. Visit us today at FolsomLakeHonda.com. At Ashton or Price, over the last 25 years, we've won just about every injury case you can think of. Slip and fall, falling merchandise, fell through rotted decking, we won those. Dangerous stairs, falls into holes, dog bites, won them. Injured wild pedestrian or on a bicycle, auto, motorcycle, big rig, company vehicle, Uber, or Lyft accident, we've won them all. And the best news is there's no fee until you win. So no matter how you got injured... Remember, for the best advice, don't think twice. Call Ashton and Price. Capital Casino has been serving the greater Sacramento area in the same convenient downtown location for over 20 years with plenty of close-by, well-lit parking monitored by security staff and offering the most variety of table games in the region in a safe and friendly environment. Best food, best service, and the best action, that's Capital Casino. For more information on tournaments and gaming, check out their website at capital-casino.com. And please remember to gamble responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER. KHDKAM HD1 Sacramento. KYMX HD2 Sacramento. From the Power Business Technology Toshiba Studios. This this, this is Sacktown Sports. The only station in Sacramento giving you local sports coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Sacktown Sports. You know, Drapes, uh, Drapes and I, pardon me, we go back and forth sometimes, but did you hear Drapes about um, the um, the clash between a couple of ESPN personalities, Dan Orlovsky and the Mad Dog? Was that Chris Russo? I heard about it. I didn't see it or anything like that. Yeah, apparently Orlovsky uh, participated, you know, former NFL quarterback. Yep. In the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge, and he's wearing like a dress shirt, and he did really well. I think he did better throwing at targets and yeah. things than any of the uh, NFL quarterbacks. So they were shown on ESPN yesterday, showing video of that, and Stephen A. and uh, some other people were like commenting on, "Wow, that, look at that! That's great." And Russo is like, oh, "That guy's he's a scrub. <laughs> he's mediocre. He was a scrub." And Orlovsky didn't appreciate it. So was it? Did it get get pretty personal? Well, like he today? just responded on Twitter. I don't know that they've actually been on, uh, sat together since then. But Orlovsky was not not happy about that. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be either. You know, he's an NFL <laughs> former NFL quarterback. Yeah, you got to be good. Yeah, yeah. So media, no way to no way to treat your. <laughs> I know coworker, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that dog don't look like he could even throw a. Uh, uh, a rock in the river. Right. I know, that, right? I believe he said, give me a football, I'll do that. Zero like, athletic yeah. ability, right? No way. There's no <laughs> way. Um, the deck is clearly, Jay, stacked against the 49ers at the Super Bowl. I agree. Mm. Oh, they already st- setting it up the excuses. Swifties don't like us. Yeah. And I, I know where you're going here. Uh-huh. Uh, the 49ers, uh, because of the way it works this year, they're the road team at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so the Chiefs, get to use the Raiders practice facility at Allegiant Stadium. And then the 49ers got to go out. You ever been to Sam Boyd Stadium? I have not been to Sam Boyd, no. It's way, you got to go a long ways just to get there. I haven't been there in in a few years, but, you know, it's it's not an NFL quality facility. So they want a grass field over the uh, for the practice field since they're playing on grass. So Sam Boyd Field, they had artificial turf. So the NFL says, all right, we'll just put the grass over the artificial turf. 
and they planned that over there, and the mm. 49ers get out there and go, this, is, this isn't right. The NFL <laughs> said, too bad. Yeah. Nah, but. Two, and the NFL, somebody asked Andy Reid and the Chiefs, hey, maybe the 49ers could work out a year. Feel it. No. No, of course not. No. You you deal with the cards you're dealt. Oh, don't be looking for no special treatment. Sorry. And Shanahan last night said there's no situation with the field. He said the players were good with it today. They'll be good with it on Wednesday. And so this, if the if they're not upset, I'm not going to be upset. But they are, I think they are they upset. Are. <laughs> I think they are upset. Oh, we have Matt Mayoko. Here's what Matt Mayoko had to say. Your friend, has he texted you back? Not at all. I'm going to text him right now. Let's see if he answers back. We should both text him and see who he answers. Right, we should. (laughs) Uh, Matt Mayoko on the uh, NFL Super Bowl practice field controversy. Well, last week, the 49ers sent their maintenance and grounds crew to Las Vegas just to check out the facilities, some advanced work. And it became a concern then because UNLV doesn't have grass <laughs> practice fields. They have artificial turf practice fields. And what they did was merely lay natural sod over that. So that created the conditions. And the 49ers felt like it was very much unique to what they practice on. So that raised some red flags right away. I mean, the fact that it was spongy and bouncy, it could have been an issue injury-wise. And now they could have had the possibility of practicing at the Raiders facility, alternating with the Chiefs who are practicing there. But it turns out that it looks like they're going to make use of the UNLV field. Yeah, as we heard from Roger Goodell earlier, the NFL has checked out the field. They say it's good to go. Yeah, so the NFL said we're good. But somebody, a reporter, went and checked. Uh, The 49ers like a firmness of 70G, which is units of gravity, the practice fields installed at UNLV measured 50. So without a surface installed between the sod and the artificial turf, which is like, what? The fields were described as spongy. The 49ers said, this is this is substandard. The NFL said, too bad, deal with it. So there we are. A bunch of prima donnas. Old Boston Garden. Nah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Jay. A bunch of prima donnas we're talking about. Oh, the field condition isn't perfect for us, you know. Oh, we like it at a 70. It's only a 68.5, you know. Deal with it. This is football. Jay, we grew up. Why did you grow up? You know where we played football at growing up? In the street. In the street. Yeah. Exactly, with the cars lined up on the side. It, it wasn't was nice spongy. It wasn't Exactly. This feels too spongy. And so... I don't like want to hear it, Niners fans. Ten UG gravity or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. It definitely wasn't spongy. It had no give at all. And so, it is what it is, man. You know this. First of all, they haven't even practiced yet. Like they haven't had a practice, practice yet. Uh, tomorrow. 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 tomorrow, exactly. Right, right, tomorrow. Right. So we'll see tomorrow. Now, if somebody gets hurt or something, then that's going to be like mm. a major black eye on the NFL. But right now, this is all this is all media driven right now. I'll never forget one of the first times I was old enough to play street football with all the bigger kids on our street on Ray Court and Vallejo, and I catch a pass and I'm running and there's a truck there. And, you know, the guys are chasing me. So I run around the truck. And they're yeah. like, dude, you can't do that. I was like, what do you mean? Why not? That's, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's out of that's a blocker. You can't run that's around a blocker. the truck. <laughs> but I thought I was so clever. <laughs> like, you can't run around. That's out right. of bounds. <laughs> exactly. I thought, this is great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Street football was the best, man. I uh, actually chipped the tooth. Like, I dove out for a ball and landed on the sidewalk. And my two front teeth hit, Ooh. like, this rock. 
I completed the pass. They said I got my toes down, though, inbound. So that's all that. Right. I got my my teeth where I like chiclets laying out on the ground. But you know what? I completed the pass. Those were the days. Can I share with you what I I think is the greatest street football rule ever? Ooh, what? Uh, My brother, Mark, we had this rule. um, And this was actually later. We were like adults playing at my mom's house. There was a cat that was watching us play on the lawn across the street from my mom's. So the cat was the first L marker. The cat didn't stay in one spot. Oh, cat. Ah. So, like, you catch a pass first down. Like, nope. The Yo, cat cats moved. move, move. Just, sorry. Turnover on down. Right. Oh, so. ouch. <laughs> that was a pretty good rule. It's like fourth and 30. Yeah. Then the cat runs, and it's like a two-yard complete. First down. Yeah. The cat moves. That's the breaks. That's awesome. That's the breaks of street football. Yeah. Uh, so, bottom line on this practice field thing, the uh, 49ers obviously accepting that the NFL has said we have minimum standards. The field meets the minimum standard. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm reading this quote from Roger Goodell. Oh, yeah. We've had 23 experts out there. We've had the union out there. All of them think that's a very playable surface. It's softer than what they have <laughs> practiced on, but that happens. It's well within all our testing standards. So this is a big to-do about nothing. Huh. It's a big to-do about nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you're Kyle Shannon you're upset, use it as motivation. They don't even want us to practice on the correct field. Is this what they think of us? Right. They think we're inferior. Right. They got the nice, cushy field, yeah. the perfect field that the yeah. Raiders practice on. Look at this. Like, uh-huh. use it as motivation, Kyle yep. Shanahan. Yep, so. there you go. So, just so you know, 49er fans, it, it's very doable. It won't be easy. The NFL's trying to, to make it a little tougher than it should be. I guess, Jay, what do you think? Maybe to even, even it out? Give the 49ers a little disadvantage to kind of even out? Yeah, uh, a little hate, and it's okay. Yeah, we it understand. Cool. We're likely to be a— We're America's are you team. Your head? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> America's team, please. Well, you know, the 49er empire. I, I think Taylor Swift changed that. Y'all might have been before she started dating Travis Kelsey, but now all the Swifties? Come on, man. You got every 12-year-old girl in America pulling for I, the Chiefs. I know that's right. You're 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 just you're spitting truth. Not my daughter. These are facts, but what, what, what does that matter for the 49ers? Who cares who every 12-year-old's root for? And I know you're right, and that's wonderful for your daughter and all of them, but if I'm the 49ers, why do I care? I think you probably – actually, if I'm the Niners, I want the whole world cheering for the Chiefs. Uh-huh. I want the us-against-the-world yeah. kind of mentality. So, Jay, this may actually go out and help your team. How come we never bounce back with no Taylor Swift anyway? I'm, because she's a Chief. Oh, well. <laughs> Not happening. Got no love. I, let me tell you something. Oh, I would absolutely, and it's gonna sound terrible, but I would love to see the facial expression after the clock hits zero, and the the Chiefs take the loss and, and a blowout, by the way. But I like to see the expressions of Taylor Swift and why? Uh, why would you like that? Because it would just bring cheer to my heart. So tears running down her you eyes. You'd like it. to see that. You know we'll what he's it. talking about? In love my it. opinion, what I'm hearing him saying is, and nothing against Taylor Swift, nope. but Taylor Swift is, oh, you know, she's so excited about every game now. And I get it. She's her boyfriend. But 49er fans have been through it for a long freaking time. And here comes Miss Fairweather fan. And oh, right. my team. You know what it is? It's a little you know, uh, before aggravating. You, you know what I need, Whitey? We, you know, we, we need Kanye. Where's Kanye at when you need him? That's who we need. Let's go Kanye. You know yeah. what it is. We need Kanye. I, 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 figured, I figured it out. I figured it out. Taylor Swift is the Brock Purdy of pop stars. And here's why. I don't what? think she's that good. No, because here's why. 
Here's why. Listen, listen, hear me out, Jay. Hear me out. You don't hate Taylor Swift. You hate what Taylor Swift has become, not because of her, but because of all the Swifties, the people around her. People don't hate Brock Purdy. They hate that Brock Purdy is being put on this pedestal thanks to his fans, Niners Nation, and everything like it. It has nothing to do with Brock himself. The hatred of Taylor Swift and the Chiefs has nothing to do with Taylor herself. It's how people around I don't hate the anyone, team. Kyle. Oh, shoot. Here you know what? I can see that. If somehow. But you see what I mean? There Chiefs is something won. to that. I give you that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's she that, wasn't the last pick yeah. of the draft, though. She's been helped along, unlike Purdy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get you. Uh, but yes, what you're saying is there right. is a. They're putting her on a pedestal as being. It's like a blowback, a pushback is, about yeah, that. That's right. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's not what everybody's making. They're presenting the championship trophy. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But the 49ers had a substandard practice facility. All right. Speaking of Brock, when we come back, Brock reminds me of me, says two Hall of Fame quarterbacks next to the drive, Ooh. guys, on Sackdown Sports. 49ers on their way to the Super Bowl. Jay. <laughs> He's killing me a little Kanye right now. Antithesis of... Uh, you, oh, you're lucky I ain't behind the boards right now, big fella. You're lucky I'm not behind the boards, man. And, uh, of course, we also got the uh, NBA trade deadline coming up, so a big week. Kings with a loss last night. Yeah, they completed a five and two trip, and Cleveland is really good. Are they, Cleveland's up to what are they second now? Second in the East. In the east yes, they've been flying under the radar too. Uh-huh. Everybody been talking about the Knicks. Meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell should be in the MVP conversation. The way they're playing, he should be up there. Here's a great question from Manny Too Legit. Before we get to Brock Purdy yeah. and his Hall of Fame comps, Manny asks, "Why do you drapes if Fox?" I think he means, is Fox playing through an injury? Looks like it because he was holding his right shoulder during the Chicago game. Looks like his uh, right shoulder has been bothering him for a while now. I know you and Katie talked about that. Yeah, Could yeah. that be why he struggled with his shot so much at times in January? I think so. I think that's part of it. I, I think, you know, he's nicked up a little bit. Um, and so, obviously, we want him at All-Star Week, and we want him to be recognized. But there's no player on that team who probably needs a week off more than De'Aaron Fox. And it's not only just his shoulder, and we've seen it once. It seems like every game there's a point where he gets hit and he's, you know, holding it a little bit. And so, yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think, too, when you look at De'Aaron Fox's uh, numbers historically, there's always a dip at some point in the season. There's always a point in the season where we say, What's wrong with De'Aaron Fox? Is he okay? Everything all right? And then he bounces back. And so I think we're in that lull right now with him. Uh, 339-1140, 10 joining us here on Sackdown Sports. 10, what's up? Hey, buddy. Um, didn't you used to play baseball or something? Uh, well, I mean, Jay played, like, at a really high level. I played baseball, but not, like, in college or anything. Why? Um, because Patrick Mahomes, I know he has baseball background. I wonder if you guys see any of his baseball mechanics utilized in pro football because, you know, he has the sidearm throw and, of course, you have the QB slide. Um, I know some of that has, has to help Patrick Mahomes get to where he is today. Gotcha, Tin. How about that, Jay? You're the baseball expert around here. Oh uh, yeah, there's definitely some to it. You Just can see all it. the angles, like ten centimeters. Yeah, right, throws right. Any which way, right? whatever. Yeah. yeah, he definitely has some. Yeah, you know, years ago, probably like four or five years ago, somebody asked me, "Oh, does Mahomes remind you of anybody?" 
And the only one that really came to mind was Elway. Because Elway mm. also was a baseball player. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And not not you know, not stride for stride, not in lockstep, but Elway was a great athlete. Not as ever I don't think he was ever as refined as Mahomes was from the get go. But as far as the athleticism and the throwing ability, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Elway. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And uh, not saying yeah. Elway was as good. Don't get me wrong. And Elway was hell of a hell yeah. of a player. But yeah, I can see that. You know, just you know, and and they talk about that with quarterbacks also right now. I forget the name of it, but like throwing angles and throwing you uh-huh. know the radius and and those are things guys work on. Real quick though, before we move on, too, guys, I'm looking up some De'Aaron Fox numbers. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a six game stretch last season. When he averaged 14.7 points per game, there was a stretch uh, right about this time uh, in January where De'Aaron Fox uh, averaged, let me pull it up right here, averaged, uh, uh, having some trouble with the numbers, but he had a 17-point game, 16-point game, 16-point game. And so we've seen it historically at certain points of the season where his numbers dip, and Mm -hmm. I think that's where we are right now Mm -hmm. with that, yeah. It's just this year, and I don't know what the numbers were last year, so I'm not saying it's not the same, but what really jumps out this year is the way he was shooting so well. Remember, we had, who do we have on? Somebody from the ringer to talk about, this is incredible yeah. what's going on with this shot. We've never seen it before. Uh, Mike, thank you. Yeah, Mike Pena. Yeah. yeah, and then it was like the next game, he, his shot disappeared. You know, it wasn't yeah. just the points going down. It's like his shot was off, so that would appear to be physical. Physical to shoulder injury, yeah. something yeah. like that, yep. Yeah. Speaking of uh, shoulders and uh, physicality and comparisons, Joe Montana was on with uh, (laughs) McAfee, and he says, quote, the thing I see with Purdy, this is Joe Montana, the thing I see with Purdy is something that I figured out early on in my career, Mm. what the offense is about. It wasn't about me. It was about getting the ball to the people who knew what to do with it because I'm the mailman. Football doesn't belong to me. I want to get it to somebody who knows how to run. Who said that? Joe Montana? Joe Montana. He said we had, especially late in my career, guys like Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig. All you have to do is get the ball to them. If you look at the weapons Brock's working with, he's figured that offense out. He understands what his position is. He doesn't try to make a big play. He knows when that chance will come and when he needs to do it. But in most cases, it's okay to punt. I got a pretty good defense, too, and that's what we had. Pretty much the same thing. Purdy understands his role. He's calm in the pocket. He has a great presence, and he's not trying to knock you out with the football. He delivers a great catchable ball. End quote. Joe Montana has spoken. So Joe Montana was a game manager. That's what I get. I've said that before. If he played now, a lot of people right. uh, yeah. who are in that's this room right like. now across from me <laughs> would say that. They would say that. I will say this. Because I'm done bashing Brock Purdy. I'm not the Brock Purdy basher anymore. I've given him his props. I've given him some credit. What Brock Purdy has done, to Joe Montana's point, is mastered the offense. Yeah. He has figured out the cheat code to this offense. He's in control of the offense. And I'm not going to knock him for that. It's 100% right. Joe Montana is 100% right. And that's the key to being a great quarterback. It's not about... Oh, if you put so and so on, you know, this team would they uh, Carolina would they be good? It doesn't work that. It way. It doesn't work that way. It's about with the players and the coaches that you have, 
together mm-hmm. can you achieve greatness. And that's what you're seeing very early on in Brock Purdy's career. They still haven't won the whole thing, but that's what you're seeing with them. Somebody last night, was it Michael Robinson? Somebody was asking Shanahan about this game manager thing, and it was a brilliant answer, and it's one that I uh, we've talked about here. Uh, Shanahan said, look, being a good game manager is part of being a quarterback. Yeah. He said, Patrick Mahomes is a great game manager. And Tom Brady was too. He said, that's not a bad thing. But he says, there's more to it, but that's a really important part of playing quarterback. And he says, I, I don't understand why we're making that a negative thing about Brock Brady. I, I, I think, you know. The implication is that he's not talented. A player's not talented. He can only manage the game. That's all he can do. Right, and, and it'd be different if he was just dinking and dunking for five yards and then, you know, yards after the contact is is incredible. But some of the throws he makes are impressive. And so I'm not here to brash Brock, Brock Purdy. Right, right. This is not the week for me to do that. Now, next week it might be different, but not <laughs> this week. No, the dude, you got to give the dude his props. He's done everything that's been asked of him. And I told you, Whitey, you know, I've said this before. I'm not about – it's not how you get the job. It's what you do once you do get the job. And he's done a hell of a job so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of people compare him because of their size – and relative lack of arm strength to Drew Brees. And Drew Brees was talking to Matt Barrows, who comes on with uh, Dave all the time and does mm-hmm. a great job with The Athletic. So Drew Brees says, quote, your feet are your clock. A lot of times I can just look at a guy's feet and tell you if he's in rhythm, what progression he's on, if he's throwing the ball to the right guy. It tells you everything. He says, Brock, oh, he has great feet. Mm. He has great balance. I think a lot of it is the footwork in that offense these play-action passes that are all married up to the run game because it's such a great zone run game. He says, I don't think either of us are guys who have a Josh Allen, Dan Marino type of arm. That's what Brock said that. Mm-hmm. But we definitely have a good enough arm to play in this league and make the intermediate and even deep throws every once in a while. So there's two Hall of Famers, Joe Montana and Drew Brees saying, yeah, we're kind of similar. Bravo. Yeah. Why'd you have that in the show? Just for me or you? Not uh... just for you, but because <laughs> and it is kind of, I know we've done it to death. Right. And it's, it's still a big topic and this has nothing to do okay. with you, all right, all right. but Super Bowl media night, everyone's talking about that still. Right. It's like, hello. Uh, no? And, and, <laughs> and here's the thing with Brock. We're though. done with that. I, I think we're done with that. But unfortunately, if he struggles in the Super Bowl. You're right. That narrative is going to come up again. And I'm going to try my best. And I know I have fun with you Niners fans. I know, you know, I troll you sometimes. I'm going to try my best not to indict Brock Purdy on one game. If he has a bad Super Bowl, you know what? He just didn't play well. It's not going to be a I told you so, an indictment. Unlike you guys, ever since the Eagles game, when it's been like, see, Drapes, he's proving you wrong. Every week it's been... I'm not going to take that approach because, in my opinion, and I said it earlier, we had Brock Purdy as a top 10 quarterback. At least I did. I had him at a, a number 10 overall among quarterbacks. He's a good quarterback. He ain't turning wa- uh, water into wine or anything like that, but he's a very good quarterback. And like we mentioned last uh, a few minutes ago, who has mastered the system. And so I give Brock Purdy all the credit. I'm not. There's no Purdy slander coming there from me. There were so many people, and I'm not talking about you, so many football people that were wrong about Brock from the get-go. In fact, today we're talking to the great Herm Edwards yes. at 430. And Herm was coaching at ASU when Brock Purdy went to high school there. Yep. 
And at one point, fairly recently, Herm Edwards said, you know, we, we, I knew how good he was, and I, you know, we recruited him. And people came out of the woodwork saying, they never recruited him. Mm. What are you talking about? Uh, and I guess they offered him a spot as a walk-on walk or something. Walk-on, yeah. And, yeah. Made but just there were a lot of like people, that. and it's hard for people now to admit, football people that do yeah. it for a living, you know, no one wants to say, yeah, I missed on him. Thing is, everybody missed on him, you just know? About, and yeah. so, you know, give Kyle Shannon credit, and, you know, we heard – uh, what Jed York said a, a week ago about Shanahan admitting, hey, this guy right here, he's the best one in our camp. And, you know, Brock Purdy has been fantastic. Wish him no- Seems like a nice kid. So I'm done with the slander. And we'll ask Herm about him uh, coming up in yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. I also wonder, Brock Purdy is very, he's deeply, he's very Christian. And I think sometimes people who evaluate players look at that type of player and say, he's kind of passive, you know, yeah. because they think, oh, it's God's will. Uh, and Brock Purdy's not like that Brock Purdy says he he has a lot of faith but he says look this 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 isn't pressure people are counting on me he says that's not pressure that's responsibility Mm. and you embrace that so Mm. but he's gonna be one of the youngest quarterbacks ever to play in the Super Bowl ever to play in the Super Bowl yeah we'll see really quickly I don't know if you want to respond to this guy on the text line Whitey if you didn't have your own doubts about Brock you wouldn't be trying so hard to convince us that he's great Somebody from the 916. I said I was dead wrong about it. I didn't think he'd make the team when he was a rookie. I, I was like, yeah, that guy's not right. making the team. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know. But I, I, I think, you know, he's a victim of his draft position. If he was a third round pick, we wouldn't even be having this conversation about it. There wouldn't be this whole narrative about him. But because he was Mr. Irrelevant, you know, mm-hmm. usually that person does not make the team. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's beat the odds, that's for sure. Uh, the conversation turns back to the Kings when our Sackdown Sports Kings Insider joins us with the latest on the Kings and the trade deadline. Brendan Nunes is now. Our SackdownSports.com Kings Insider is with us, and uh, he and Drapes just having um, just a deep-cut conversation about former Boston Celtics. Just uh, two guys <laughs> talking hoops, huh? Oh, yeah. Going way, way back on what was the question, the best uh, – Favorite guys to cover in Boston for Drapes? Is yeah, that it, it's the classic, like, dudes just naming old players. Old players, I just sitting that. around. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could do that all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Mikhail Petrius over here. Avery Bradley, my right. boy, Avery that's Bradley. Right. Yeah. He, uh, he lock you down. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Right? Whole court. Yeah. Man, um, that was a team. Brendan, a great road trip, obviously. Is there a short answer to how the Kings win from Oh, what's wrong with them? To wow, they're playing so well on a road trip that some thought might actually break them. No, I mean you have to play the teams that are in front of you. So going five and two shouldn't be scoffed at or anything. It's a success, but I don't think they beat great teams, and I don't think it was the cleanest way of doing it. Like over the against the teams that are currently five hundred or better, they went two and two. So I, I think that they did okay during this trip. Um, five and two again. Don't want to come off as a downer because that is a successful trip, but I don't think that they showed me anything necessarily new Mm. when it comes to what this team is. I think the differences for me are that HB is getting a lot more looks. He's getting more involved, which means less Keegan. That's going to be part of the process. Um, And it seems like the rotation is getting a little bit more solidified. Like In those seven games, the starting five obviously played every game, and then you got Malik and Trey in there. And then Davion Mitchell also played every single game, and more yeah. often than yeah. not, you're seeing JaVale for all except, I think, two of those when they decided to go small in Indiana, and I think it's Golden State, which seems like more matchup dependent. But to me, it's really like kind of a change in the pecking order and the rotation 
more than than anything during this trip. Mm, interesting. That's an interesting take. You know, I'm looking back at, you know, the seven-game road trip, and I'm going to throw Atlanta in there also, uh, yeah. Brendan. And, and one thing that I'm noticing, Harrison Barnes led the team in scoring three times, Darren Fox three times, Keegan once, Domas uh, once. Uh, is that kind of balance, that kind of variety, is that what you want to see from the Kings where it's not just Darren Fox every night? Yeah, I mean, I think that HB for sure, There, there's obviously been – an emphasis on getting him more involved, right. right? And I think that not just that, but it's also been paired with an increased aggressiveness from him, which I think go hand in hand. You know, if you're getting told you're going to take more shots, you're going to be more aggressive and things like that. But they're getting him in post-ups and switches mm-hmm. and things like that. And I, I think it has been helpful. And that doesn't mean if Keegan has a good first quarter that they're still going to roll with HB. Like, they'll feed his Keegan's hand if it's there early on. But I mean, there's definitely been a difference. You know, first 41 games of the year, HB, and that's before the Atlanta game, uh, HB takes 7.6 shots a night. He took 15.3 during these last eight games. Uh, 15 or more shots for the last eight. He hadn't done that since the first game of the season when he went off in Utah. So there's definitely been a difference. And I I think that just figuring out who's going to be the other guy outside of Fox and Sabonis is pretty important. And they seem like they were trying to fast-track Keegan and have kind of backpedaled a little bit to maybe let's just lean on HB a little bit more and let Keegan ease into the development of all Mm -hmm. these aspects Mm -hmm. of his game, including the offensive end. I know this isn't the first time we've had this discussion, but how much does Harrison Barnes' recent surge impact how the Kings look at the deadline? And what, if anything, are you hearing uh, about the Kings' involvement in any potential trades with the deadline really just hours away now? Yeah, I don't think it really changes anything. If anything, where I could see it make a difference, and not just HB specifically, but the success of this road trip, is I thought the Kings shouldn't feel pressured to make a move. That making the wrong move is worse than making no move at all. Mm. And everybody's locked up except Malik Monk for two-plus years beyond this season. Whatever you do, this deadline isn't going to impact how much you can offer Malik or anything like that. So there's no need to rush. The only reason that they would feel pressured, in my mind, are if the locker room is getting lost at all, which I don't think is happening, and going on a little winning streak like this helps, or if there's pressure from ownership when it comes to the front office. And I think that going on a uh, streak like this also helps that, if it was apparent at all. Don't know the extent of that, Mm -hmm. but I think it just kind of doubles down that like they don't need to do something right now, in my mind. And I think they're going to be aggressive in looking. We know that this front office is aggressive in general. They use the wording a lot of being aggressive but disciplined. And, you know, I, I think if they don't make a move, it won't be for a lack of trying. But currently, I'm kind of expecting something a little bit smaller. What do you think of the way Drapes is trying to run DeLon right out of town before he's even got it? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Come on. What I'm do you kidding. think of that? What do you think of Delon Wright though? Like, is is that move the needle at all? No, I mean it doesn't move the needle, right? Like, and, and that's <laughs> exactly. kind of my thing. I, I, I was talking about this a little bit with um, Watkins and and Styles Watkins and Watkins yeah. Styles and Watkins. My bad. Um, that <laughs> you know, if it's an expiring guy, that what really is the help if he doesn't move the needle? And I think the or, or what I like have settled on is if it helps you get out of the first round and it makes you get more playoff experience, then that is helpful in the long term for the development of this group. So, no, I don't think moves like a DeLon Wright or go getting a Tory Craig or a Royce O'Neal, like a seventh, eighth guy, changes 
what tier this team settles in. But if it doesn't cost you much, there's no harm either mm-hmm. in my mind. What do you think is uh, needed to become a championship contender? Like, what's the path to getting to the Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals? Yeah, it's probably a. It's going to take some time. I don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. in one deadline or one offseason, one move. Like, you know, we point at Denver a lot. I heard you guys yeah. doing it earlier. Um, it took them a while. You know, it took one offseason of going and getting. Aaron Gordon, and then the whole next year, Jamal Murray's out, and they're kind of integrating Aaron Gordon. And then the after an entire season, another half, they reach the deadline, they go get KCP, you know, and, yeah, and make yeah. moves like that. So I think it's going to take time. You need to figure out the biggest thing is what's your Aaron Gordon equivalent, mm. though. And if you believe Fox and Sabonis are good enough to be your one and two, and maybe you think Keegan's good enough to be your three, then you just need to find those better complementary pieces. And I think that that's just going to be – a little bit of a process. You got to be picky with your complimentary guys. Let, let me ask you this though, because I started off this show talking about Keegan Murray. Yeah. What is he? Who is he? In relation to is he a, the next Tobias Harris? Right. Is he Kyle Kuzma? Is he an all-star level player? Like what what do you think Keegan Murray's trajectory is right now? Yeah, I, I think I could see him like sneaking into an all-star game. Like he's used Chris Middleton before, and at first I really didn't see it, but I have mm-hmm. throughout the course of this season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair comp. And that's a dude that was a number two on a championship right. team. Right. You know, he was really, really good, but it helps when you have maybe the best player as right. your number one. So I think that's the difference when you're talking about a Jokic, when you're talking about a Giannis and these other guys. Um, I get those parallels and obviously I'm using I'm sitting here using it too but it's a lot easier to just focus on the compliments when you know the like very top end is going to take care of their business and I think the Kings are in a spot where they have to believe that Fox and Sabonis are going to be those guys because it's hard to really reroute at this point but if Keegan can be that third it it certainly helps but also how long does it take him to reach Mm -hmm. a point where he's doing that consistently. But I I see the Chris Middleton a lot more now, ceiling-wise, than I did last year. Okay, Brendan, I think this is something we should all be talking about more often. Why do you think this team doesn't get to the foul line more often? Is it the offense they play? Is it because they're smallish? Is it because the officials are obviously (laughs) biased against Sacramento? I mean, that's that's one way I think this team could improve if they could get to the line more often. Yeah, they don't really have – like Fox and Sabonis get there. They don't convert at a great rate. Right. But the other guys, I mean, who's the ones that are really getting to the rim and putting pressure around the basket? Like we've seen Harrison Barnes do it in the past, and that's picked up a little bit as of late, obviously. But after that, like Keegan is getting better at finishing around the basket, but he's still one that's going to go up and probably double clutch Malik and think a little bit too much. Malik yeah. does, but like typically he's not finishing around the basket as much, right? He's either right. passing or uh, some of those spray threes or, or a, a lob and things like that. So I just don't think they have the guys that get there that often, mm-hmm. I guess, when it comes to outside of Fox Sabonis and, and recently HB again as well. Brendan Nunez joining us. Uh, Brendan, when you look at the Western Conference, man, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's top four heavy. Obviously, yeah. uh, and then you got uh, Sacramento in the mix, that kind of thing. How active do you think 
others will be during the trade deadline. The Dallases of the world that might go for it. Somebody like Lakers. How often? How much? How much do you think those guys will be uh, active at this trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, with how big of a tier there is, like you're saying, this top four seems pretty locked. Yeah. they're all within half a game. OKC, Minnesota, Clippers, Nuggets. All of those guys can make moves. OKC has a lot of that they're working with for sure. Um, but there's a big tier that the Kings are mm-hmm. in where you go Kings at five, Phoenix at six, New Orleans is seven. And then even if you want to include Dallas, LA, like Utah, Houston, Golden State aren't that far right. away as well. Um, so I, I think that the fact that these groupings are so big and nobody is really separating themselves clearly mm-hmm. within that means that these guys will be pretty active. Um, yeah. Obviously, it takes two to tango and you got to figure out who's going to be available because if there's a lot of these teams that are going to be buyers, that just means there's less yeah. sellers out there right. as well. So I, I think a lot of these teams are going to try to get those guys that we were just kind of talking about, those like seventh, eighth guys, just clean up your rotation a little bit. Can OKC get somebody better than a Aaron Wiggins? You know, and I, I like him and Kendrick Williams. I think they're good players mm-hmm. that would help the Kings, but they could benefit from getting someone a little bit better. So I think yeah. those type of rotational moves are probably what we're talking about for a lot of these teams. All right, Brendan, I'm on the uh, DeLon Wright welcome wagon, and it's very lonely here. <laughs> there is a lot of room, but I... I understand your point. Yeah, I just I think there's a chance he makes them better. Um, I, but I, I'm not saying he's going to transform them <laughs> yeah. to being contenders. And I get it. I, I think that any of one Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte, or Sasha Vizenkov, all those contracts work straight up. Just one of them. Any of the one, take your pick of the three, uh, straight up for DeLon Wright. And I'd imagine you'd have to throw in a second-round pick. If it's Davion, you probably don't even have to throw anything in there's there. There's a lot of teams you know? that are interested in him, apparently, according to reports. There's a lot yeah, of teams. I think there's reasons to be interested, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's all going to be price-considered here. So he could help, and if that's the guy that you're talking about, if you swap a guy that's not playing at all, like Chris Duarte, right. for a DeLon Wright, like, yeah, that ma- it makes you better. Yeah. It makes you better. I don't know what changes, like, the tier that you're it's in. Move your needle a little bit. A little bit. Maybe a little. It helps a little bit. <laughs> let let me right. ask you too, Brandon. Yeah, it could be Brandon because when you look at this offseason, did Monty strike out? No, I mean, I don't think that they were thinking it has to happen this season. Okay. And I think it goes back to that aggressive but patient thing. Like, obviously, they looked. I think the Kuzma deal would have been good. I, I think that right. the, the contract that Washington gave him, that the Kings probably should have just been willing to go that high when it came to the number. So there's things I, I think that they could have done better for sure, but you know, the the team's in a good spot when it comes to the standings and like long term projection. It's just all this isn't going to be linear when it comes to the growth of a team and how they're going to eventually climb into what they hope is a is a championship mm-hmm. contender. So I'd say no. I I think that the real strikeout in the offseason would be if they put themselves in a worse spot rather than sort of just remaining in the same, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Gotcha. Thank you for your time. We'll see you tomorrow night at the arena for some exciting yes. NBA basketball. Good. Kings and Pistons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Yeah, great Kings coverage. Brendan, Frankie Kors, SackdownSports.com, and Emil as well. When we come back, this is interesting. The mayor of Las Vegas says the A's should stay in Oakland. What is going on? Next with the Drive Guys on Sackdown Sports. It's funny doing a, especially a sports talk show. You never know who you're going to offend with your opinions. And sometimes you offend somebody out of left field. You had no idea. For example, Kyle, and I know yeah. you, you've seen this. Apparently, when I was comparing Mahomes to Elway, and I said, Mahomes is better than Elway. Apparently, I really upset a John Elway fan who says, <laughs> 
Whitey sounds like a complete cheese wiener, which I don't know if you could say that. Talking about Elway, a subject where he clearly is out of his depth. Oh. The assumption that Mahomes is better than Elway was a strange one to me. I mean, I'm, we each, you know, you're welcome to your opinions, of course. I'm pretty comfortable saying Mahomes is better than Elway. As great as Elway was, I'm sticking by my guns on that one. Yeah. Good I, for you. I, right. It's yeah. And this is not an argument. Uh, what about Super Bowls, uh, accolades? Just an the eye test talent, like what Matt, just they, yeah, stylistically, stylistic, yeah, exactly. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is uh, a, a revolutionary, like yeah. he has revolutionized the position, a savant, if you will. Oh, it's great, always great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of offending people, the mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, um, she offended some people in Vegas today. She also, I think, encouraged some Oakland A's fans who want to see the A's stay in Oakland with her take on. The move to Las Vegas. Here's a, we have Carolyn Goodman on the Front Office Sports Today podcast. Here's what she had to say about the whole move. Um, if they, they said we have a binding agreement somewhere else, right. and then two weeks later they said, now we have a binding agreement at the Tropicana. Right. <laughs> um, we had entertained them down here. We have a very large complex, probably about 60 acres. We probably could cobble together more land so they could possibly have a hundred acres. Um, and it's in the historic old part of town, which is where all major interstate highways come together. We have seven access points to it. It is in an opportunity zone. There are all these benefits. And so when they said no, I thought, hmm, this doesn't make sense. Here's a great site. They can get a great price on it because it's owned by the city we went out to reach for them and yet no they're going to go out want to get closer to the strip with all the congestion and everything and i thought this does not make sense Hmm. and so why is it happening and then i thought well because they really want to stay in oakland they want to be on the water they have that magnificent um dream and yet they can't get it on. Yeah. So Interesting. The, the mayor of Vegas, I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland. <laughs> think about that. Like, <laughs> and make their dream come true. I just know that John Fisher, longtime successful family, in my opinion, needs to listen to people that are up there. It's their team. Speaking of Oakland, says the mayor of Las Vegas. She is uh, an advocate for the team staying right where it's at. <laughs> That is, she's like, uh, we don't want him here, basically. She did backpedal a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah, what do we got? She did backpedal and release a statement uh, about four to five hours ago. Uh, She said it was one of the many interviews about the rise of Major League Sports in Vegas that she did. They discussed several topics, including the A's, for about seven minutes. I mentioned the passionate fans of Oakland who often visit our city to cheer on the Raiders. My points included that is it is my belief that in their perfect world, the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. Should that fail, Las Vegas has shown that it's a spectacular market for major league sports franchises. I, I th- what a statement this was. Yeah. That is bad. I think That's what's awful. going on here, you know, you try to figure out why is she saying that. You know, all this stuff here, driving the A's move to Vegas, 
has been from the state and the state legislature, and she's with the city of Las Vegas. Mm. And the city wanted to put the stadium somewhere else, and they're just getting – it's like they don't have much say in it. So I think she's kind of saying, oh, the the state's plan isn't as good as our plan. And she ended up basically saying they should just stay. They should stay. (laughs) Yeah, they should stay. And the the thing she says, too, that that rubbed me the wrong way – the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. It sounds like she's siding a little bit with John Fisher here. Yeah. Like, ah, it's on the it's on the government and, and the politicians there in Oakland. They need to uh, give John Fisher and the A's what they want. Yeah, and then someone yeah. got to her and said, look, your honor – <laughs> uh, this 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 is not you know smooth sledding as it is. You're really not helping by basically saying they right. should stay away. They stay away. <laughs> maybe also maybe there's some polling that indicates the people who live in the city of Las Vegas are they don't care. They don't she's care. Feeling like I'm just gonna say what my constituents want me to say, and then they're more likely to vote for I, me. I wonder what the average fan there thinks. It's about. also possible listening to her that she has no idea what's going right, on. She I, has right. But but do the fans mind. really yeah. want? Not only baseball, but do they want that team there? You know, that that's that's hard to believe. There's probably but, a few. You know, yeah. there's right. probably a few. Right. I, I mean, now, <laughs> if it's, you know, the Yankees or that, like some big name that was happening to move, but the Oakland A's, which you, is right now, Jay, the worst franchise in Major League Baseball? Yeah. You know, Drapes, last time I went to Vegas, which was last year, I think, I don't know if we had this conversation, but maybe it was another show. You guys weren't here yet. They asked me that, and I to the person, as I was walking around Vegas, you know, went to see a couple shows, all that type of stuff, not a person wanted the A's. And they were all – they, and it was, well, you know, baseball's cool. It does all right here. We have the AAA team, but we don't want you guys to lose it. Mm-hmm. We know what it is, how yeah. hard to get a team, mm-hmm. We, you know, whatever. And so I, I go back to – I told a story on air where I was getting dropped off uh, in an Uber – and a, a gentleman picked me up, and I got in the car, and, I mean, this dude had Las Vegas night stuff everywhere, mm. right? Mm. This, of course, before they won the Stanley Cup. And I was asking, like, big sports guys, like, yeah, so we're, you know, having a conversation as we're going. And he's like, listen, man, I've been here for 30 years. I've been a transplant, you know, whatever. We don't want the Oakland A's. We would love to have our own team. Oh, okay. Maybe down the road. We're still happy about having the Las Vegas Knights. Like, this is our team. And it was funny because I would say, well, what about the Raiders? And he was like, "Uh, we just haven't warmed up to the Raiders because they aren't ours. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as many people, he was like, look, I drop off so many people who come into town, who go to Raiders games, and not a lot of locals. He was like, I can count on one hand how many times I've picked a person up from their house and taken them to Mm -hmm. Allegiant. And I, I found that very interesting. And mm-hmm. he was like, I've been Ubering for like the last 10 years, man. Dang. Well, as far as this goes, the optics, again, look terrible. I don't think what the mayor of Vegas has to say about it. Yeah, it makes things look worse. Oh, shouts out to Carol Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, on our you. side. She wants to stay. But I don't know that it makes any difference. We'll take it, though. Uh, when we come back, HB on the Kings road trip. We left no juice on the table. Mm-hmm. Next with the Drive Guys on Sackdown Sports. The 